Hi, Pastor Rob here from Blessed Hope Chapel and RobCartlidgeMinistries.com. What you hold is true. Is it really truth? Will what you believe get you through on Judgment Day? Are you keeping to the pattern of sound teaching held out in Scripture? In this series, Truth, Judgment and Eternity, I intend to deliver messages that check the solidness of our Christian foundation so as to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to us as Christ's ambassadors on this earth. Revelation 20, verse 11. Verse 11, it says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades was thrown into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. You, I, I preach about a few subjects that quite a few churches sort of don't preach about. I preach about hell and the lake of burning sulfur because it's, it's in the Bible. And I, I preach about it because I fear going there. And I fear you guys going there. I fear any man going there or any woman because the lake of burning sulfur is eternal. There's no court of appeal. You can't appeal God's decision. Once you're there, you're there and you're burning for good. And don't let anyone come and whitewash this. Don't let anyone come and try to tell you that this is not so. We are going to be judged. We're going to have to stand before the God of the universe and the earth is going to flee from beneath us and the sky is going to flee. There's going to be no place to hide. We're going to be suspended before him. And the only thing holding us in before him is his power and you will feel his power holding you there and fear will grip you like you've never known. That's what I fear. I fear that day. And that day, I want to keep my eye on it all the time. I want to never lose sight of that day because it will change the way you live today. It will change your decisions. It will change what you put so much of your efforts into, the things you think about, the things you look at. The things you touch, you know, everything that you get involved in will change if you keep your eye on judgment because it's coming. No one can escape it. And the scary part of it is if you fail, you go to hell forever. And it's actually not hell because hell gets thrown in there. It's eternal sulfur burning, burning, burning. 
And you will always know you're there. You don't just get, it just gets cut off. You will know you're there forever. Because, you know, the, the, the problem with the soul is it was created eternal. And whether it's in heaven or hell, it knows it's there. And I tell you what, you don't want to be in that place. You don't want to go to that place. You know, if you, if you even spent one minute, just one minute in hell, and were allowed to come back and live a life again here on earth, you would never live the same way again. And so I pray to God, you know, I pray more to God to give me a revelation of hell than a revelation of heaven. Because I know it's, that, it's hell that's going to keep me honest. It's hell that's going to keep me on the right path. It's hell that's going to make me walk the narrow road that leads to life. It's hell that's going to give me the confidence to face death and not recant of Jesus Christ when someone's holding a knife at my throat and saying, give up Jesus or else I'll cut your head off. I'll say, cut it off. Because I fear hell more than I fear some radical, knife-yielding, terrorist and this is the attitude and you know what it's hell that keeps me coming to church sorry to say this but it's true it's hell that keeps me wanting to preach this message even though so few want to hear it does that mean I don't preach it because it's in the bible judgment day is coming Judgment Day is coming, and it's horrific. It's going to be a horrific day, a terrible, terrible, terrible day. You don't want to be on the wrong side of Jesus. Daniel reminded me of something I said in, a, in the old message, I think in Judgment Day Part 2 or something. I said, you don't want to be standing at the judgment and look beside you and there's Hitler. And you go, well, hang on, what am I here with Hitler for? Hitler's right there. What am I doing next to him? I thought I'm a Christian. I thought I believed in Jesus. I thought I followed the Lord. And then everything, you know what happens on Judgment Day? God makes you aware of why you're there. Everything floods into your mind. Oh, I couldn't stop looking at porn. I couldn't stop smoking dope. I couldn't stop partying like the heathen and swearing like the heathen. I couldn't stop sleeping around. I couldn't stop all the, my sin nature from ruling my life. I couldn't stop being a Sunday-only Christian. Actually, many Christians today, I couldn't stop not going to church because they don't even become Sunday-only Christians anymore. <laughs> They're just Christian now. I'm Christian. Do you go to church? Nah, you don't need church to be a Christian. Really? That's new. That's a modern phenomenon. Christianity is not a solo event. Christianity is a community, of, community event. You do it together. We encourage one another. That's what the word says. Encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And you know what? Is the Lord returning? Amen. Is the signs of the times very evident? Nick was pointing out things today in his sermon. The signs of the times are very evident. And every day that goes past, we seem to see it. It's heating up. It's heating up. The world's getting crazier. You know, as Nick was pointing out, with the amount of cults, you know, there's a cult for everybody now. You can design your own religion now. 
little bit of Christianity, a little bit of Buddhism, put a bit of Islam in there to keep on the right side of them. And, you know, a bit of New Age. I believe in reincarnation, but you're a Christian. Yeah, that's all right. Anything goes. Designer religions. Is that the truth? Is what feels good the right thing? You know, when we might one day have to, we might get imprisoned for the faith. We might have to face death for the faith. Does that feel good? Will that feel good? Do you go, oh, this doesn't feel good, therefore it mustn't be of God. Now I'll give up Jesus. No, we, do, we live according to truth. And you know what? There's no other book. You name one. I want someone to name one. If you can find another book and tell me about it that's going to trump the Bible, I'd like to hear about it. I don't know of any. I've looked into a lot of other books. I've got a huge library, and I've, I've, I've looked online. You know, is there any better books? I've studied all the world religions. There's no better books. This is the only book. 30 to 40% prophecy. They reckon around about 40% prophecy. That means nearly half of this predicts the future accurately. Nostradamus doesn't come close. Nostradamus, you could make any of his little riddles into, into mean something, but they don't, they're not dates and you know, telling us of specific events, things that will take place, and, they've, and many of them have been fulfilled. The reestablishment of Israel in 1948 was an example a fulfilled prophecy. There was about nine to ten prophecies that Israel would be reestablished as a nation and would be regathering Israelites from all around the world where they'd been scattered abroad. Has that ever happened in history? Where a nation has been reborn 2,000 years later and brought back from the four corners of the earth. It's never been done. And you could imagine no one would have thought for the last 2,000 years that that was possible. But it happened in 1948. And they said in the Bible it would happen within a day. And what happened? It was done in a day. Just got pushed through. It happened. Bang. This is, this is the Bible. We, we have got a, 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 solid, a solid book that we can rest our hope on. We can stand on this or kneel on this. We should more than, more than stand. We should trust in the Word of God. Don't trust in, in the rubbish that's out in the world. Don't trust in what they teach. And I'm amazed at what Christians get involved in today. I'm amazed. How many Christians do we know? You know, Christians that are into all sorts of, you know, um, feng shui and, and superstitious garbage and occult. You know, we just had someone last night telling us that she loves going to this certain festival in Greece where they get up on the top of a building and they push these pots off the top of the building and they smash on the ground. And, and I'm going, what do they do that for? And she says, oh, to scare off the spirits. And, it's, and then she goes, and it's a real spiritual experience. I'm going, yeah, demonic experience by the sounds of it. Superstitious garbage. Don't walk under a ladder. It's bad luck. Mate, some, you know how many times I've had to walk under a ladder because I'm in a situation and I'm going, it's garbage. I'm going to walk under it. Open an umbrella inside. You know, Don't do that. Why? Oh, I'm like getting ready before I go out into the rain. <laughs> open the umbrella and then go out into the rain. Why wait till you're wet and then open it? Stupid. <laughs> okay, Hebrews 6, 1 to 2. Let's have a look there. So God wants his people... He wants his people to be people of the book that know his word, that know the truth and live by the truth because 
you know what? As Christians, that's what we're going to be judged according to. Hebrews 6, 1 to 2. It says this, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Well, look very, very closely at that verse because it said, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings. Elementary Why is it that when I preach on judgment, I feel like I'm preaching the meat of the word? Where it says that the judgment was an elementary teaching to the early church. Which means that when they first got saved, they got saved in light of this truth. So what I'm teaching now is the truth that should be what you receive when you're a newborn Christian. And you should be getting, that should be the basis of your faith. And why? Because if you have one eye on the judgment, as Leonard Ravenhill would say, one eye on the judgment, you will live a different life. You will live and do everything in accordance with knowing that you're going to have to face God one day. You know what I mean? And what, what that does to me, as an example, is it makes me repent now. It makes me go, okay, God, forgive me for this, 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 this. The list goes on. He makes me feel remorse for things very, very quickly that I do that is wrong in my day. And I'll feel the remorse very, very quickly. He'll get me back on my knees very, very quickly because he wants me to keep on coming back and getting into that right place with him again so that I can continue to walk and follow him. Amen? So the judgment is so critical to our faith, that we have a, a full grasp of what, it's, what, it, what it is. How far have we declined in our theology and doctrine when, that when the judgment is the least taught and misunderstood of all Scripture? How many of you, put up your hand if you've been, if you've been involved in many churches over the years? Yeah, I have, yeah, a number of you. How often did you hear messages, powerful, strong poignant messages about the judgment, the coming judgment. (laughs) Sorry? Here. Why is that? Why is it that you go into churches everywhere and you don't hear a minister stand up and preach on the judgment? And that brings to mind something I said in the sermon because I watched a bit of it last night. You imagine if you were studying maths and you had a maths tutor or maths teacher and you're in a class 30 students, maths teacher, and all year the maths teacher doesn't teach you anything about the final exam at the end of that year. He just teaches you about, you know, or tells you stories about his life and just laughs and has fun, keeps you, keeps it entertaining. What does that sound like today? You know, and then at the end of the year, the final exam is there. You, you, you walk in and you go, What? You're looking at the paper like, I don't know any of these. I don't know anything here. I'm, I'm going to fail miserably. And what I said in that sermon many years ago, I said, would that teacher be considered a worthless teacher? He wouldn't even be deserving of any pay. He should be kicked out of the education department. He shouldn't receive anything 
from the education department, which you consider like God to the teacher, the one that pays. You know what I mean? If I don't preach on the judgment, I'm a worthless teacher. If ministers anywhere in the world don't preach on the eternal judgment, they're worthless because they're not preparing you for the most important time in all eternity. There is never going to be a more important time than the judgment because you know what? Life will be known as pre-judgment, post-judgment. Pre-judgment, you did what you wanted if you wanted to live that way or you followed Christ. That's the only two different roads that you can take. You either follow the broad road that leads to destruction or you get on the narrow road that leads to life and you follow that road and you're single-eyed in that. Post-judgment, only those that followed that path will be there. The broad road will be gone. And all those that were on it will be gone forever, forever and ever, never to see light of day again. And then the real life begins. This is not the real life. Come on, if this was it, am I loud out there? Oh, I'm all right. Sounds like I'm loud. No, okay. If this is it, we've been gypped. We've been gypped. You know, just understand that the world system at the moment, you know what it's designed about? It's designed to keep you sinning. It's designed to keep you steeped in sin over your head in sin, drowning in sin. That's what it's designed to do. So if you follow the world, if you get involved in the world, you get involved in deep levels of sin. Because it's designed for that. Because Satan knows he wants everyone on the broad road. Because he's going to hell and he knows it and he wants to drag as many people with him as possible because he doesn't want to be alone down there. Not that he's going to get any comfort in having anyone there. Because there's no comfort in hell. But it's just he will get some kind of satisfaction in knowing that billions were brought down there with him and he now can torture them if he has this strength. So live for Christ. Deny all the appetites of the flesh. Live for Christ and keep your eye on judgment. Because that's where it counts. That's what counts. Nothing else counts. And when I say that, it doesn't mean, okay, that's great, I drop out of uni now, I don't want to pursue my career or anything like that. Do those things, but don't let them rule you. Don't let them be the, the, you know, the thing that matters most in your life. Don't let your girlfriend or your boyfriend matter the most. They should be important to you. You should love them. You should pray for them and all those things. But keep God as center and the judgment as the focus so that when you get there, you won't be found wanting. You don't want to be found wanting on that day. You don't want to get there and Jesus, you know, puts his hand up and says, you're not coming in. People try to make the, the doctrine of salvation so simple today that you just put up your hand and you're in. That is not what Jesus taught. That is not what Paul and John taught. They taught life-changing, life-turning. That's what born again means, to change and become a new creature. You don't change and do what you used to do. That's not the teaching. It's strange. You know, like a new creature does new things. He doesn't do what the old creature does. That's why that's the whole analogy of using the term born again, new creature, it's for us to understand these things by. 
So we've got to keep this uppermost, uppermost in our minds, or else, guys, we could lose our eternal life. Because Jesus says, and I've got it in here, but I'm probably not going to get there. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 21, only those who do the will of the Father will enter in. Only those who do the will of the Father. If you're not doing the will of the Father, find out what the will of the Father is and start doing it. Cut off everything that is not of God in your life. Ask God, make me clean here. You know, shed, help me to shed all those things that I'm carrying that's of the world and start living single-eyed, eye on judgment, throne of God. Just see it there. Just see God. See, see Jesus up there on the throne and say, Lord, clean me up so I can face you on that day and I, I won't be ashamed. You know, Paul, at the end of his life, longed for his reward. He knew, he knew by the power of the Holy Spirit, he knew he had fulfilled his life. He had run the race. He knew it. Because I suppose after you get beaten countless times and gone through shipwrecks and you'd been, you know, chased by people everywhere you go and, you know, he'd been imprisoned and he'd never recanted and he held strong and he preached the gospel boldly and powerfully, uncompromising his, whoops, his whole life. And he knew he lived the right way. Can you say that about yourself? I hope you can. And if you, if you, you feel half you can, then clean up the other half. You know, I want to know. I want to know that I've lived it rightly in the eyes of God. Amen. Isn't, wouldn't that be nice to know you can die and rest in knowing that you've run the race You've persevered, and now you can go in and receive your reward. Wouldn't it be nice to know that there's a reward awaiting you because you lived your life right? Yep. That's what you want. Now, because Christians have an inadequate knowledge of the coming judgment, they live like pagans yet claim to be Christian. Because they don't understand what I'm talking about today, and you know what? In one way, you can't blame them because they don't get it taught a lot of the time, in another way, they should find out for themselves. How did I find out this stuff? Found out for myself. I read this thing. And I listened to Joe Schimmel. <laughs> God bless Joe Schimmel. Knowledge of the judgment changes the way we live for Christ today. Amen. Who can see that? What did Jesus say? He said, I'll tell you who you should fear. Fear God who can send who after the killing of the body can send both soul and spirit, I think, into hell. Fear God. If you don't fear God, if you don't understand, if that's a foreign concept to you, I've got a sermon called Activating the Promises of God. Just write that down if you haven't seen it. Activating the Promises of God. I go through um, countless scriptures which tell us to fear God. Because a lot of people say, why should I fear a God that loves me? And, 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 and he's a good God. I shouldn't fear him. I'm thinking, well, that's exactly why you should fear him. Because he's a good God. He's good, holy, and righteous. And he expects us to be good, holy, and righteous also. And people go, well, I can't be holy and righteous in this life. And my answer to that is, well, you don't have the Holy Spirit. 
Because the Holy Spirit comes into a man to make them holy. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, living like this is nearly an impossibility. I can't live righteously without the Holy Spirit. You need him. But then once you get the Holy Spirit and you've received him because you can't even say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, so that's how you know you have the Holy Spirit. The other side of it is we can grieve the Holy Spirit if we don't live rightly, and in, in that sense, you don't obey his promptings. The Holy Spirit whispers things to you. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. He tells you, don't do this, don't touch that, don't look at this. I hear him all the time in my conscience. I know when, you know, something's about, you know, a sin is about to be committed. I feel something trigger me to, like, not do it, and then I do it, and I... Oh, why did I do that? The remorse kicks in. And so what I want to be is even more sensitive so that when the Holy Spirit says, don't do that, I go, okay, I'm going somewhere you know, that I shouldn't be going right now. And I don't want to go there because I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Because this is what happens. Christians can grieve him and grieve him and grieve him. And I'll tell you now, you know how to grieve him? Go out and get drunk with your mates one night. Know how to grieve him? Sit down and watch porn on your computer for a few hours. He's not there. He's gone. He's not there. Don't expect a holy God to sit with you while you do those sorts of things. Don't expect a holy God to be with you when you're getting drunk. If you're filling your body with toxins, he's not going to be in you. He's going to flee. And that's why the Bible makes it very clear. He flees. He, 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 not fleeing in, as in fear. He just says, oh, have that on your own. I'm out of here. And there's many things we do that the Holy Spirit can't do with us. Now, if you do that habitually, eventually the Holy Spirit's not with you at all. And then when you finally come around and go, Jesus is Lord, it's like the Holy Spirit comes back and whispers that in your ear. Do you remember that? Jesus is Lord. Do you believe it? And that's when you've got to repent. That's when you've got to say, God, what have I done to you? How can I do this to you? You died to free me from sin. You didn't die so that I'm free to sin. You didn't die so that I can sin to my heart's content and still get saved. That's, that's ridiculous. He died to, to, so that, and, and, and rose again and went to, to be the right hand of the Father to send you the Holy Spirit so that you can walk on the righteous path. And to stay on the righteous path, you've got to keep your eye on the judgment. To stay filled with the Spirit, keep your eye on the judgment seat. Live for God in that way. Live with your eyes set that way. Does that make sense? I think this is a good message. I think, and I'm pushing it and pushing it and pushing it because this changes people. Amen? Deep in a man's soul, they know that one day they will face God before his throne to be judged. Men know it. You know, Hollywood make movies about it, Judgment Day. And they love calling, you know, Terminator, Judgment Day, all this stuff. They got it all, you know, twisted and out of, out of whack. They think Judgment Day is robots rising up <laughs> to take over the world. That's not Judgment Day. Judgment Day is far worse than Terminator. Terminator can only kill the flesh after that. Your soul's still there. 
You know, that's the best Hollywood can do. Oh, a Terminator? Scared of a Terminator? He'd give me a quicker death than a guy with a blunt knife. Hopefully. And I'm, I'm saying that not to, I uh, suppose it was to make a joke, but to make a point. People are dying. Our brothers and sisters are dying having their heads removed as we speak. And we sit here in the comfort of little old Adelaide. And you know, when was the last time we prayed? When was the last time we prayed for one of those people that are dying right now? And I know a few of us have in our prayer meetings. But we can be assured that these people aren't rejecting Jesus. Why? Because they live in a culture where their lives are threatened regularly for Jesus. And you know what? That culture creates real, genuine Christians. But you know what? It's going to come here. And I know that because the Word says it will uh, come upon all those who live on the face of the earth. It will come upon everyone. No one will, will miss out on this. There's going to be such an uprising. Nick was talking about it in his sermon today that there's going to be a great persecution. Jesus makes it very well clear. Who, who happened to watch my new latest video that I just put up about um, the pre-trib rapture and some of the scriptures that I read out in that video about what's going to happen to Christians in the last days? And are we ready if we believe we're going to be raptured out of it, pre-tribulation rapture? Um, they, pre-trib rapture teaches that you're going to be gone before the Antichrist appears. 2 Thessalonians um, 2 verse 3 teaches that don't be, let anyone deceive you that day will not come until the Antichrist has appeared. So the pre-trib theory is destroyed just with one verse. Why does Satan preach pre-trib theory through Hollywood, making three movies in one year? Because he wants Christians to get so wishy-washy that they don't think persecution is even for them in the West. That persecution won't hit me because I'm going to be gone because my pastor's promised me that we're going to be raptured out of this. Therefore, when persecution does come upon them, and heavily like we're seeing in some of these other countries, the Bible tells us that there's going to be a great apostasy, a great falling away of the faith, betrayal, hating one another, brother betraying brother to death, and a father is child. Parents will have their, uh, sorry, children will have their parents put to death. So the love of most will grow cold. They won't even have family love anymore. Brother betraying brother, they won't even have Christian love anymore. But then he adds, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Why does he emphasize end, after, post, trib? Not pre-trib. And that's only just two verses. I can go on and on and on. You know, there's no pre-trib verse in Scripture. There's not a Scripture that actually specifically states that it will be pre-the tribulation. Every Scripture that talks about the tribulation and and when the rapture occurs is always in a post-tribulational context. Always. So where where did that theory come from? Satan. Why? Weaken the church. Weaken it. Weaken it. Along with once saved, always saved. You can't lose your salvation. You can do what you want. You can't lose it. Weaken the church. And now we are living in this day when the church is so weak. 
we don't even see people getting saved anymore. We, we, we don't have the power of the Spirit to see our communities impacted with the gospel anymore. The judgment doesn't even get taught anymore. You know, I remember a pastor, Neil Ryan, who just preaches just down the road here. We used to go to his church, wonderful man of God. He said to me, or he said in a sermon actually, he says, when he first, when he was a ch- child going to church, and he, he would have been what, how old would Pastor Neil be? Let's not get this wrong. 60s. He's a fit looking bloke. But anyway, he's in his 60s, and he said, when I was a child going to church, every second weekend we'd hear about the second coming of Christ. Every, so often, he says, it was always, Jesus is returning, Jesus is returning. That was the theme message of the early, or the church early uh, in, in that generation. What's happened? Within like 40 years, the message has gone the complete other way. That hardly anyone preaches about the second coming of Christ anymore. Is, are, are we getting ready for his return is this not what Jesus says will happen when he comes? Will he find faith on the earth? That's what, as a question, he said, will he find faith on the earth? Will Satan have us so bound up that there's no one with faith? Well, I know there is because it says that, that many that come out of the tribulation, and it says out of, not through any other means except through getting their heads chopped off. That's what it says in the Bible. In the book of Revelation, it says these that have come out of the tribulation run to the altar and how were they brought out? Through death, not through rapture. So you can't use that scripture for a pre-trib thing. They held to the faith. So that's how you'll know someone that's in truly Christian in the last days. Is That will be the result. So why am I preaching this? Well, for a start, you know, God's looking for real Christians today. God's looking for true, bold Christians. Christians that live the life, that are genuine. Because they're the ones that the Bible says do the will of God. They're the ones that get saved. He wants to get as many people off the broad road that leads to destruction and get as many as he can on the narrow road. That's what he wants. He wants real Christians. You know, and, and, and I've got to preach this message. I could have preached a really beautiful message, sorry, Guys, you're, you're leaving tonight. I could have had a beautiful, rosy message, but God put this one on my heart. I don't get many rosy messages. I always say, God, give me a real nice one. <laughs> you know, give me some jokes to say so people laugh. And... No, I'm going to keep you dry as a bone. <laughs> but God wants a spotless bride he's on the return he's not that far away don't let anyone deceive you don't even let yourself deceive you don't say oh yeah yeah we got plenty of years yeah really you could get in your car and drive off home and bang you hit in a car accident let that not be cover him in the precious blood of the lord but life could be finished tomorrow for you this is destined for a man to die once and then the face judgment then the face judgment that's what i'm talking about Judgment Day could be tomorrow for us. You know, imagine if they drop a nuclear bomb on Adelaide. Judgment Day will be right now. Bang. Get clean before God. Repent now. Change now. Set your hearts like flint. I'm going to live for him. There's no other way. 
There's no other way. I can't, I can't think of any other way and any other hope in this world that can guarantee eternal life in a beautiful kingdom and keep you out of the most terrible place you could possibly imagine. And Christianity is the only hope. You tell me one other Messiah who laid his life down on a cross and rose again to be witnessed by 500 believers at one time. Name me another faith. Name me another faith. Did Muhammad raise from the dead? He's dead in Medina now. His bones are there. He's going to be resurrected at the resurrection to face judgment. Buddha is going to be there too. He's going to have to face judgment. He led multitudes into atheism. Buddha with beautiful ways of living. Hey, you got good things in everything. You know, in the New Age, I was into the New Age before I turned to Jesus. There was some really good stuff, some nice teachings, but a little bit of poison. Actually, in New Age, a lot of poison. And in Ratsack, it's 99% edible food, 1% poison. It's the 1% of poison that kills a rat. So don't eat it and don't be a rat. Hebrews 9.27, and I just said this, and it is appointed to men once to die, but after this to face judgment. Matthew 12.37, for by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. What you say, and you add to that what else is, is spoken of in relation to this, it's according to those that do the will of the Father. So it's by your actions, it's by your words, it's by your actions, it's by the way that you present yourself. And those things are going to, be the deciding factors on the day of judgment. That's why, go back to that, that's why Jesus says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you should be saved. And, and people go, oh, that's all you have to do, just confess with your mouth. No, you've got to believe in your heart. What does that mean? That's where the theology has got to come into it. You've got to have a deeper theology than just surface theology. Believing in your heart means your heart has been changed. The heart of stone has been removed and a heart of flesh put in there and it's by the Holy Spirit you've been filled and you've been directed and live for him and him alone because your heart is for him and him alone. So it's not just a flimsy confession. There's a lot to it. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now that's powerful, isn't it? Whether good or bad, we're going to have to face God. And you know what? This is the beauty. This is the beautiful thing about what Jesus did for us. He's given us the gift of the repentance, and he says when you repent with all your heart, he throws those bad things that you've done as far as the east is from the west. That means then no more. All you've got to do is repent. Then you can face judgment and he won't even bring those things up because they've been forgiven. The problem today is people don't like repenting. They don't like to give things up. Believers included. So make sure you're clean. Repent. Go home. Get before God. Get on your knees. Lay your, lay your life down before him and say, God, show me my sin. Show me what it is that's it's creating a chasm between me and you. Show me what I'm going to be judged on. 
Reveal to me my judgment now so I can repent now, get it all clean now, and live the right life so that when I face you on that day, I'm clean. Isn't it better that way? I'd rather go, look, put it this way. I'd rather be, you know, in the worst state of depression in relation to the weight of my sin, and I'd rather live that way for the rest of my life and be received into the kingdom of heaven than be the most joyous, happy person on earth, just a person everyone wants to be around and, you know, wonderful life, and get to the judgment and be discarded forever. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we've got to that we've got to go, there's a season for everything. We've got to go through seasons of, of mourning and repentance so that we can stand up before God and say, okay, now I know how to live for you. We've got to get clean. We've got to change and be transformed. Amen? Who's receiving this today? Fantastic. All right. Now, I won't go much further because I want to wrap it up. And I'm five screens into about 15 screens. All right, but Lord, we just thank you for this, this time now, Lord. I thank you for the honor of being able to preach to these wonderful people. Lord, I pray that this message really got in and really impacted us. And Lord, that uh, many of us here will be changed and transformed as a result. And that we will turn and follow you with all our hearts if we haven't been. And those of us that are following you with all our hearts, Lord, Reveal more stuff in us and help us to get, a deep, get into a deeper walk with you and to live closer to you, filled with the Holy Spirit and, and not grieving your spirit, Lord. Help us to have the power to resist the sin nature in all its forms. Make us aware, give us that conscience that declares to us when sin is crouching at the door. Help us to know uh, and be aware of what's going on around us at all times. Lord, many times I feel dazed. I feel like I'm living in a daze, like I'm, I'm, the shutters are down and I'm, I'm sort of groping around in the dark. But Lord, shine your light into our lives. Help us to see. Help us to be able to walk by your truth and walk by your light at all times, Lord Jesus. We need to know the truth and, and let the truth set us free. But, Lord, we need to know the truth. So, Lord, I pray that every single person here will follow you, will keep their eyes on the judgment, on the throne of God, and live in according to that revelation every day, and that we won't turn back. and We won't, we won't run from this, but that we'll embrace this so that we can have a better judgment. Lord, I pray that every single soul here today and every soul that listens to this message on the internet will be received into the kingdom of heaven as a result of the, the change of their focus. I pray that not one soul here will perish, Lord Jesus, but every soul here will enter into the kingdom of heaven to live with you for eternity. So, Lord, do your work among us as a fellowship. Do a wonderful work among us, Lord Jesus. And we just open our lives up to you now. Just bless this fellowship time together, Lord. May we have a wonderful time. May your spirit move among us and bless us. And I pray for, for Ken and Janet, Lord, that you will just uh, take them safely home. And, Lord, that you will bless them immensely and help them to find a wonderful church 
uh, back at home with a, a minister that speaks the truth. I pray that you will just, uh, just take their lives to new levels, that they will start to rise up to levels in, in you that they've never known before. Um, and that the, the word of God will be always open in their home and prayer will always be uttered in their home and that will be uh, a blessing to their community and a blessing to you, Lord Jesus. So do a wonderful thing in them. Pray for Kara and Dave and I thank you for bringing them today and Lord, and I just pray a, a, a huge blessing upon their life. I pray for direction for Kara. I pray that you will speak to her and make it so clear what she is to do um, in relation to her life and where she's going to live and uh, we just pray that you'll just be with her and, and that you'll also get a really amazing support group around her in our church and among her friends that she's made that here Lord and uh, that through it all she'll just know exactly the right thing to do I pray this in your wonderful name and bless her and protect her in the name of Jesus and bless Dave too Lord I don't know where he stands with you but I pray that he, he will just go on strong for you and live for you and, and uh, do radical things for your name and, and bless many people in the name of Jesus Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you search Rob Cartledge in the iTunes store or go to www.robcartledge.com, you'll see a number of different sermon series uncovering religion, truth, judgment, and eternity, apologetics 101, critical doctrine, and end times. Feel free to check them out.